This week's episode is brought to you by 6minutemile.com. Running and fitness news hand curated and delivered directly to your inbox multiple times each week. These six easily digestible stories, reviews, and moments of inspiration are like the skim for endurance athletes. Sign up today and you'll get stories like the future of artificial intelligence and run coaching, which are the best gym exercises for runners, and comprehensive reviews of the latest and greatest gear from the top brands in the industry. Looking for your next race? 6-Minute Mile has a great event directory as well. Visit 6minutemile.com, pop in your email address, and sign up for your very own inbox full of endurance goodness. 6minutemile.com On the show today, we have a very special treat in the form of the trail and ultra-running husband and wife team of Abby and Cordis Hall. Abby's been lighting up the ultra scene with multiple finishes over the years at races like the North Face Endurance Challenge, Leadville Trail 100, and of course, Ultra Trail du Mont Blanc or UTMB, most recently with an impressive third place podium finish. Cordis is no stranger to the ultra scene with impressive finishes at UTMB, TDS, and most recently a 100K finish at Innsbruck Alpine Trail Run Festival. We get into their origins as runners and husband and wife by biting off massive challenges together, sometimes failing and sometimes succeeding, but always loving and supporting one another. I recorded this one way back in February as the episode sat on the shelf since then, but with the relaunch, I really wanted to share this conversation with all of you. So if you're ready for the show, crank it up and let's go. Welcome to Faster Forward. I am your host, Troy Bousseau. This is a show where we sit down and talk with some amazing people from the endurance community, age groupers and Olympians, adventurers and explorers. We discuss their successes and failures about falling down, getting back up and never ever quitting. While it's not always about finishing, it is most definitely about starting, getting on a journey faster forward. Well, hello there. How are you guys doing? Good. How are you? Well, welcome to the Faster Forward Show, uh, a rebrand of the Athlings podcast. So thank you so much for coming on and sit down and talk about uh, ultra running, trail running for the next hour or so. And, um, you know, it being February, uh, I would love to talk a little bit about just the two of you are, a, a, you know, a husband and wife team who are balancing life and racing and training and everything else. And I've always been kind of fascinated with that. So welcome to the show. Thanks so much for having us. Happy I, to be here. I always like when we can do these things together, and yeah. uh, it's yeah. fun to. I always like listening to other couples talk about it on those things too. So yeah, it's fun for me to be here. Usually, they pick the the faster one of the couple out <laughs> be here. So um, it's, it's a privilege for me to be alongside. Well, good. Well, <laughs> the privilege is all mine. So that that's awesome. Well, you had a little race this weekend, no? I did. Uh, it was supposed to be less little, but it ended up being much, much more little. So, uh, yeah, I, I attempted to run the the Black Canyon 100K down okay. in Phoenix, Arizona, but uh, it, it ended a bit earlier than I suspected it, it would have a week ago. Uh, that's a bummer. Well, well, we'll talk a little bit more about that. That's my old stomping grounds and uh, love Jamil and the guys down there. I've not done one of their races. I I, I was planning oh, on yeah. doing a 50 miler around my 50th birthday and my body just said, nah, I think you're going to pick a different goal. So I, I did give it my <laughs> college try. I swear to God, I tried, but I just, my quality of life was uh, precipitously falling as my feet and knees and everything else were just not, not digging it. So I'll live vicariously through you guys though. Good for you for listening to the body. Yeah, <laughs> indeed. So let's let's talk a little bit about, I guess, just individually, just a little kind of intro on who each of you are. I'd love to know a little bit, you know, kind of how you met. I interviewed 
um, Lindsay and Chris Sachs, who live up in Netherlands here in Colorado, um, early, early on in the podcast. And one of the questions that I asked them was how important, you know, like, was it an important factor in YouTube getting and staying together that you were both into maybe not, you know, necessarily specifically, you know, like elite level runners or trail runners or endurance or, you know, whatever, but just that, you know, that being kind of a core value for you guys. Um, and so just, you know, like who you guys were growing up athletically, and then just talking a little bit about how you guys got together and how important that's been for you to share that. Yeah. Can I go first? Sure. Yeah, so uh, I grew up in the Boulder Valley area. I grew up in Broomfield, Colorado, which, if you're not from the area, is basically you know 15 minutes from Boulder yeah. with no traffic. Uh, and so I lived there essentially my entire life until a few months ago when we just moved to Flagstaff, Arizona. Uh, but I was primarily a swimmer growing up. I guess I was really into football too when I was a kid, but then quit that pretty early on in high school when I realized I was not. My, my weight class is much well suited for cross country versus football. So I was a bit of a punching bag freshman year. So I realized I wanted to be in the whole endurance world. And then I uh, got into cross country running back back a couple of years of high school. Uh, but I wanted to go to CU. And uh, it turns out two years of cross country definitely qualified you for the CU cross country team. They're national champs over there. So yeah. <laughs> didn't even uh, throw my hat in the ring. No need. Uh, but I did fall in love with trail running when I went to see you. You know, the dorms right there are like mile from pretty incredible trails and the flat irons. And so yeah. really just developed a love affair with the trails and the flat irons, climbing around and exploring. Uh, and then, yeah, effectively that just that took me to where I am now. It's just, it's just snowballs where mm-hmm. that I just, I love getting out and exploring and doing it primarily just running around. Yeah. And, well, I currently live in, I currently live in Broomfield, Colorado. And so, yeah, it, it's tough to not want to just run and run and run when you live here. It's, it's the, yeah. the trails are so spectacular. And Broomfield has low key, secretly good trails. Like the gravel paths in Broomfield are very, very, very good actually. Yeah. Well, for the whole time that I was at Athlinks, our, the office was about 10 miles away and uh, Mike Melly, who runs events for Lifetime, we would, we lived in the same neighborhood. We would ride our bikes. We never crossed a single road. It was gravel out, out of our neighborhood. It was gravel the whole way to the office. Um, and we did, we actually crossed one road at the very end to get to the actual office, but it was, it was spectacular. I mean, growing up yeah. in Phoenix where, you know, you're taking your life into your hand on any ride. Uh, it's just <laughs> fantastic up here. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty fun. So then- I, yeah, so for me, um, so I started running when I was really young. I ran my first race when I was like just before I was going into middle school. Mm. My parents and I did like a summer trail race series. We were living in Vermont at the time. Okay. And I think at the time, you know, I was just I just immediately fell in love with it as a way of exploring where I was. So at the time in Vermont, you know, getting to run on beautiful trails around there and um, just getting getting to have a um, like experiencing independence and being an athlete at a young age, like being able to go out on a run, you know, by myself around the neighborhood when I was like in sixth grade. That's like a cool feeling at that age. And so I very quickly, you know, fell in love with like tracking my training and this like little spiral notebook I had and um, signed up for the cross country team and track and 
kind of just really never stopped from there. So um, in high school, we were had moved back to the Chicago area where I had spent time growing up when I was younger and um, had a really formative time in high school there. Great coach, great program. Um, that that high school team was like a family to me. And then um, went to college in the area at Wheaton College where I also ran. Um, but, you know, mm. like during those years, I was never like, I wasn't like state champion or like, like I was like kind of just always like on the fringe of like, sometimes I'd be in that top seven or sometimes I was an alternate and mm. I was just like always kind of on the cusp. And that's kind of, that's kind of how I carried myself and mm. how I always felt um, like, you know, like, I think like emotionally, I even, I felt this in my bones of being like, being able to hang on every workout, but when it came to race day, just falling short. Oh. And so I think I've carried that around with me for a while. Um, and I like to say, you know, kind of like after those programs and after college, whatever, it's like first day of summer, there's no practice to go to. So like, that's kind of where, where the crossroads exists of like, are you going to keep doing this every day? Or was this just like, you know, a fun sport to be involved in. Yeah. And I realized that I just wanted to keep, keep staying in that rhythm day in, day out. Um, and for a number of years, it was just that it was me running for myself and, um, you know, finishing my, you know, work as a graphic designer. And I'm, a, I was a night runner. So like for me, it's finishing the day of work, mm-hmm. putting on my running shoes and go out, going out from like, you know, five to 7 PM at night or something like that. And so that was, you know, how it was for a handful of years for me when I was living in Chicago and then Los Angeles, um, started to hear, um, started to feel like more pulls to the mountains when I lived in Los Angeles, hear more about ultra running community formed a big, crazy goal of going for the fastest known time, the John Muir trail and decided I should live somewhere where I can pursue this goal. So I thought about living in Bishop. I thought about mammoth, um, Ultimately landed in Boulder, Colorado, where uh, I moved in April 2016 Okay. and started just going to every group run possible that I would hear about primarily like on Instagram or things like that. And so one of those group runs that I went to was where Cordis was and <laughs> he was like the cool, like he was so cool. So I was. <laughs> I was. <laughs> He had this like he had this things have changed. He still has this shirt. This the whole shirt is SpongeBob SquarePants face, and then there's like a little tie at the bottom. And he would like, you know, it wasn't like he wouldn't just like come to the group run. He would like do a whole run before the group run. Oh, just, like, come that guy. SpongeBob t-shirt. And I know like, that guy. And, <laughs> and uh, so I started, and that here's where the stories start to merge. So then I. At the time, and like I think this is an interesting context to note for where both of us were at. Like we were both pursuing running goals, but I would say each of us was equally enthralled at the time with like climbing and mountaineering mm. goals. Yeah. And for Cordis, it was a lot of scrambling in the flat irons. For me, like I was a far more competent climber back then. So it led to like this sweet spot of exploration for us mm. where we were doing like more technical mountain runs, throwing a little rope in our pack, and that was kind of that first mutual crossroads for us rather than just like going out for an hour run. Yeah. So I was looking at this um, route on Long's Peak, the Keener's route, and I was going to go do it. Uh, I was like, that's not really a route you want to go do by yourself for the first time. It's 
pretty complex. <clears throat> how, it's how high up on ahead. a four? So long speak is a fourteen or for those yeah. you know fourteen thousand feet. How high up on on the on the peak is that route? It it takes you to the top. So okay. if you've been to the Longs Peak area, there's Chasm Lake, right? And that's the lake right beneath the diamond, which is a huge, you know, I don't know, two or three thousand foot, I think it's just two thousand foot east face of the mountain. And the Keener's route effectively just skirts the side of it. So okay. you get sort of all the fun of the exposure, but it's much easier climbing. But because it's on this huge complex face, it's it's very easy to end up in a place that is no good. And so when she was saying, I'm going to go hit this by myself this weekend, I was like, I, I don't think you should do that. That's a really bad idea. And and so then he offered, well, I get off work. If he was working at Boulder Running Company at the time, I get off work at five. If you wait until then, this is like, you know, it's like June. Early, early summer yeah. too. It's like basically light till midnight or whatever. Um, <laughs> and he's like, if you wait till I'm done with work at five, um, I'll show you the route. So he picked me up and then, you know, we had to inevitably pack some headlamps and, you know, like this quickly turned into a yeah. romantic yeah, and you're on the, steps, on the ledges of longs and, you know, he set a self timer for a photo and then he's put oh. his arm around you and <laughs> the rest is history. <laughs> Cordis, you knew what you were doing. It's not that dangerous a run. Come on. <laughs> If you know where to go, it's not too bad. But if you end up on the wrong path there, no, I'm just teasing. You would spend the night. Yeah. Oh, I'm just teasing. Well, that's awesome. But I think the other side of the question, I was like, what's the what's the importance of having the similarities? Uh, and I, I think the biggest thing is an understanding of how we spend time. Yeah. Where it it doesn't seem stupid or necessary. I guess it's a little bit selfish, but we actually understand why. Uh, but to go out and spend six hours running on the weekend or want to you know, dedicate so much of our lives to yeah. this pursuit. And I think if it weren't like, I think right now it's very running ultra centric, but I feel like I look back at even like that's that first summer, most of the things we were doing together were like, we would bring our headlamps and yeah. we'd go climbing at night and we'd yeah. just like light up all their headlamps and climb or we would do long days in the mountains. So I think even if it weren't specifically running, it would be some form of outdoor activity, outdoor exploration. Sort of suffering. It could outside, be bikes, yeah. it could be climbing, it could be yeah. mountains. But it has to be miserable and it has to involve headlights and you have to end it really tired. I don't know, like maybe someday we'll get into some like crazy kayaking or something. Well, it's funny. I mean, it's funny that you say that because like my wife and I, we met at the gym, like kind of gym rats early on. And, and that's still, mm -hmm. you know, we were actually just on a walk the other night and we've been married 21 years now. And uh -huh. we were just talking about like how important that aspect of it is. And that's just more of like the fitness and the, you know, we kind of, this is going to sound super vain or whatever, but we made like a pact with one another early on. Like as long as we can control it, we're staying fit for one another, you know, physically yeah. and healthy and all, all of the other things. But, yeah. um, but you just mentioned Cordis, like the suffering and the sort of the misery aspect of it too, which is really interesting because we've never had that. Like we don't even camp, um, but just oh, like really? having that, like kind of, I don't know. You gotta, it's not just staying fit, but it's the whole adventure side of it. It's the suffering. It's the, and we'll get more into this, but it's the, I love how you guys like crewing for one another and supporting each other in those races is a really important part of your relationship, which I think is really awesome. 
Oh yeah. It's a, it's a huge one. And I think we've been continually drawn to activities that bring out that same need for communication under pressure or stressful circumstances. Like an example that comes to mind to me is like home improvement. Like we love taking on a slightly too big project, throwing in a like, you know, van build on top of it, or just like kind of juggling a lot on our plate and like, it, it all we like biking off too much is what do. it really comes down to yeah. and just kind of seeing what happens. But I, I think it's like, it all comes from this place of, of, of passion for like, I don't know, just wanting to like build our life how we want it to be day by day. Yeah. So we'll do stuff. We're pretty eager in that way. And so I, I, th- I think that we're, we're a good match in that way. We're a good match. We are. It's interesting. <laughs> it's interesting. You mentioned the home improvement side of things like the, the, um, are you guys, do you find, is one, is one of you more of a perfectionist than the other? Hmm. Abby is absolutely. Yeah, probably. Yeah. Okay. I'm, I mean, so, I mean, uh, by profession, so she's a graphic designer and uh, I was educated as an engineer, but now I work in sales. But um, I, that, that sort of carries through with, I think, how we approach things. I'm very much, if it, if it can function, then it's good enough. And yeah. I think for her. It goes a little bit beyond where <laughs> you need the aesthetic. Need mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. 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 So it's an interesting, yeah, it's an interesting corollary because it's like from the racing, you know, there's a lot of people. Um, my wife is one of these people doing home improvement is really difficult for her because it's not enough to be done. It's gotta be, I mean, perfect. Yeah. It just has yeah. to be. And so on the physical challenge side of things, I think at times she has, like if it's not going to be perfect, she doesn't want to do it even, you know what I mean? So like uh-huh. for her to fail at a, you know, I would come home and, you know, my goal was whatever it was that day, 35 miles uh-huh. and I would run 25 and be limping. And she'd be like, this is so stupid. Like, what are you doing? And as miserable as I was, it was like, yeah, but I, you know, like it's imperfect, but I, 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 I yeah. believed in the effort that I put forward, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, yeah, it can be easy for uh, like perfection to be the enemy of good. Something we say sometimes. So there have definitely been times where we, I don't know, it's it's constantly a balance though because we'll take on too much and then I think kind of reassess for next time. Yeah. But we're never doing that again. Yeah. <laughs> but then you always end up doing it again, don't you? No, we always do what works. Yeah. We don't even learn from it. <laughs> we get stupider. Yeah. So how did this then kind of? Um, you know, you did the cross country thing, Cordis, you did a little bit, but not in college. And, you know, you, you're obviously fit, you're fast, all of those things. Mm-hmm. You enjoy running with one another and all of that. How did you, was, did you just kind of get swept up in the craze that we've all gotten swept up in, in terms of the ultra stuff or what was the draw there? Let's see here. So I read a little book called Born to Run. I drank all the Kool-Aid. I Never ran barefoot, got a stress fracture, had five fingers <laughs> somewhere in the basement. Now, you know, I did I went through the whole bit, but yeah. I think that all just got said. I just really loved it. Yeah. I just fell in love with it. And I just spent all of my time doing that. So when I was in college, all I wanted to do was go to school and run. And what a life that was. That was fun stuff. you know. Yeah. Um, and I think just because I cared about it so much, I did it so much. I think that's that's really what got me to a certain level of skill and expertise at it and then once you get to that point then you realize 
actually, if I tune how I train a little bit more specific to what I'm doing, maybe I'll find even more success. Yeah. You know, and then you still have the passion. So I think I, I just sort of naturally fell into those, those, that progression. Abby? Um, kind of like, you, do you mean just kind of like kind of what keeps me going with it? Or do you think? Yeah, I like... mean, is it like, it's tough to, I mean, obviously we just talked about you guys being kind of on the same page with the athletic pursuits and things, but you know, like my wife and I, there are times where it's, one of us is all gym, the other's all running, whatever. But so what you guys are doing is so difficult, you know, not only to achieve it, but to want to achieve it. And it's difficult yeah. to get those two things in sync and to say, now it's 50, then it's 100, and, you know, to sort of keep those things aligned with one another. So it's interesting to say, I mean, it's easy to say, hey, we both read this book, we both want to try it, and then have one of you kind of go off and love it, and the other one's like, screw this. So, yeah. you know. We're just lucky that we met each other <laughs> at a time in life where we had both individually wound up on similar paths. Just like she was really drawn to the John Muir Trail. She was going to Eastern Sierra Lock from Los Angeles. So sort of on parallel tracks, we ended up in similar points and then she moved to Boulder. So now we're at the same point really in our lives of what we're up to and we're near each other, both single. And that's, I think that's just how it brought us together. And I think it's, it's lucky that we ended up like that. Uh, and I timing was so significant. I think that you and I would have been individually both continue to be doing what we were doing mm -hmm. regardless of if we yeah. had found each other like we would have been symbolically two parked cars sleeping in our cars <laughs> the trailhead like i think so you know and it i think the i think what surprised both of us at that time in our lives was the like the added richness that yeah. came from sharing that together mm. and i think that that shared journey is definitely something now that keeps us going and mm -hmm. has turned this into really like a full, you know, yeah. life. It just fuels itself then. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Okay. So you guys get together, you're doing all of these things and then like walk me through the progression of kind of, you know, again, you're like high school cross country to Long's Peak to, you know, Black Canyon to UTMB to, you know, it's like the, 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 what's the progression in your minds of how you guys go through this? Let's see here. So I think well, we can bring up, so we did this other thing. Uh, there's the, it's called the Fast Fifth Nerd Traverse. Scott Mark Oveson came up with it. I think it was like early 2000s. Oddly enough, I went to high school with his kids, didn't even realize he was doing this stuff. Mm -hmm. And now he's like a huge role model for me. So that's pretty cool. Um, but so it's this huge traverse from Rocky Mountain National Park, uh, Trail Ridge Road to Bertha Pass, uh, linking together a lot of really cool uh, off-trail basins. It's also kind of unique in that it doesn't just stay on the ridge proper. Okay. They're kind of thrashing through different basins, but it's a, it's a lot more scenic and there's a lot more water access first off. But anyways, we both had goals at the end of that first summer that we met where Abby wanted to go for the record on the John Muir Trail and I wanted to go for, no, also to go for the record. And so we were saying, okay, maybe explain what that is real quick. Just yeah, let's it. like, what's the, yeah. what, what kind of time frames and, and, yeah. and that type of thing? Sure. <laughs> so this summer we met, Abby's going for the John Muir Trail record at the end of this summer. John Muir Trail, 228 miles in uh, the Eastern Sierra of California. And Nolan's 14 is a link up of 14 14ers. Uh, just outside of Leadville, Colorado, okay. which you were planning on doing, which I was planning on doing Labor Day weekend. Yeah. Like both of those attempts for us for like September, we meet beginning of this summer, 
So we are both kind of in this place where we're spending big mountain days out. Yeah. And what what are you guys budgeting time-wise? Like, what do you, what do you think John Muir is going to take you and and... (laughs) the wrong answer? (laughs) It's sort of irrelevant. (laughs) We're going to blow it up. It's going to be crazy. We didn't get Yeah. So, but we decided to do this uh, training uh, adventure, I suppose we'll call it. And so it's this big, it's about 70 miles, traverse mostly off trail uh, through really cool wilderness areas. And Abby had just done her first 50 mile race the weekend before. Mm. So, about six days prior to us starting, she had run her first 50 mile ever. So, she's pretty beat up to start with. And long story short, we just get blown up. We are <laughs> about 20 miles from a trailhead when the sun sets. Well, I, I just had to jump in there. Like we're, yeah, we're deep in this route and I kind of, I'm in the, I'm in the total like pain hole and I am just like, all right, I'm ready to call it. And Gordis turns around and looks at me. He's like, you realize like we're 20 miles from 20 miles from the nearest trailhead right now we're 15 from a trail (laughs) 15 from a trail 15 miles of off trail i've never been to this we've never been to before we even bailing so it's kind of like (laughs) buckle up and like eat some gummy worms because like this is about to be be crazy yeah Yeah. this is at sunset that i say this i'm like i'm ready to pull the plug (laughs) cordis takes i like distinctly remember he gives me this bag of some sort of gummy candy all of his water all of his layers and he's just just kind of pours it on to me of just kind of like okay you're so we're gonna right keep now. you alive just like yeah keep keep you going and we had this yeah. yeah this full all-nighter experience you know uh ending with mark Oveson yeah. mentioned earlier the guy that came up with this route all night. Yeah, he came up with the route. He, you know, knew Cordis, obviously, from Broomfield and came in the middle of the night and waited for us and picked us up at a trailhead. Bless his heart. Drove us back to our car, drove straight back home after staying up all night, went to church in the morning with his family. Yeah. Heck of a guy. Mark is an incredible guy. So he's, I'm sorry, I missed the part. Did you call him or how did he? He, We had planned, he was going to provide his aid at like the halfway point. Oh, got it, got it. And so he was there, but we arrived about 13 hours later than we thought we would. So he slept on a cot in the parking lot. You know, like he had a family and a home in Louisville. <laughs> and he went and slept on a cot in a dirt parking lot. Wow. We're, we're, I realize we're telling like an absolutely insane story quickly to try and make it seem a little less insane. But it was pretty insane. This is a good and, story. Um, Tell it as slowly as you want to. Is yeah. that crazy? Well, I think so. Okay. I think one of the reasons that I nudged you was like, we need to talk about Fifner is because I think that failing at that was a huge motivator for us because to go fail. We did it. Yeah. yeah, But like the the theme of that summer, if you will. Yeah. Like, you know, and I mean, it doesn't take much to put together that like Nolan's was a disaster. Disaster. JMT for me that year, first attempt was a disaster. They both ended similarly to how Fifner ended mm-hmm. with emergency blankets, laying on the rocks for a while, then stumbling back to the trailhead. But like we went hard that summer. I yeah. mean, and I look back and even like night before Fifner, it's like we slept 90 minutes in the car and had been up late climbing every night that week. Like we were just both at this place where we were a bit silly. But it was fun. Uh, we loved it. Uh, yeah. we, didn't, we just were ignorant to like what we were getting into, but we really wanted to be there. But we were we were so hungry for the yeah. experience, mm. and we both had big big goals that were 
they would like we would have done anything to meet those goals if you told us what the path was. Yeah. We were just kind of barking down the, yeah. the wrong path, kind of irresponsibly, kind of recklessly, and just doing too much. And so I think then like the next couple of years of our relationships with the this whole sport, if you will, was comprised of kind of like, you know, putting together some solid training towards, you know, maybe one or two big goals and um, you know, just being a bit more like pragmatic in our approach. And, and then we, I think both started to see that that actually yielded a bit more success towards the things we dreamed of, but that we still really love like going out there and yeah. getting cracked together. Yeah. That's how, something. How long that, had you guys, yeah. sorry, how long had you guys been dating at that point when you started that whole summer? Oh, that, that was, oh, month, you know, I, oh think we call, I think we call, I think we call Long's Peak our first date, which was like, no, June date three or something. and then I think we went for fifth night like two weeks later. So, wow. <laughs> so Portis was like a guy. I had, I was in college when she met me, which I don't believe she was aware of. I don't know if I would have labeled <laughs> it anything at that point in my life, even though we wow. can look back and see that that's where our journey began. Yeah. So it's, it, it definitely it put us in some very like real life situations early on. Where, I was going to say, it's, it's almost like you yeah. guys went through childbirth before you ever even really like had like a full relationship, you know, like well, you've seen, you've <laughs> seen all the scars. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It sounds about right. Yeah. Wow. Was one of you, so you, you said you kind of made a bunch of mistakes that summer. Was one of you driving the other harder or were you just both like feeding off of each other's hubris i guess um i think we're i think each other yeah i don't know what was going on there it was it was a lot of passion and not a lot of thinking yeah. we really just wanted to get after it and i think thinking came after i think both of us were approaching it at least for me and i think maybe you as well like wanting it bad enough that was going was to yield a certain result and that took, yeah. that took me a, definitely another few years to learn that really wanting a goal you can't just will it into action you can't you don't we don't deserve a result based mm -hmm. on how bad we wanted or how hard we worked going mm -hmm. into it harder training is not better you know like yeah they, yeah yeah like, that. Gotta, like in your words hubris like yeah, definitely played a role. Were you guys questioning in that summer, like just individually, like maybe I just don't have this ability to do these crazy long distances or, or it was just more, okay. <laughs> You're both shaking That's your funny. head now. <laughs> yeah, we're both shaking in our head because, and that is really funny. Never I think we yeah. both 100% knew we were going to keep going. Yeah. yeah. Like, you got to have a bit of an ego, I think, if you want to get to that point because you do have to care about it and, have enough belief in yourself to even get yourself to the finish and in uh, whatever performance just to yeah. get yourself to the end it's like you have these moments i think for both of us at this point it's like we have these moments say for you in the flat irons or for me on certain training runs where you're thinking oh wow like i if i can feel this good in a race setting and this adds up to this and this like i'm doing the math in my head i think i can walk two and a half miles per hour on the jmt or i think this just might work. And so much of the sport just doesn't add up. Yeah. It's like you could, you could break it down forwards and backwards on a spreadsheet and train at that same pace every day. And it just, 
it's it's a fickle sport in that way. And so I think I think that 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 puzzle of trying to figure out how to find that success that we both visualized for ourselves has been what continues to pull us forward. And each time you or I reach a what I would look back and define as a benchmark in our our careers, if you will, of the sport. We're never pausing and going, great, we finally did that. That's that's enough now. It's like this constant, um, yeah. this I don't know, this constant quest to be wringing the most out of ourselves and and dreaming up what could be next. And yeah, yeah. How important is you know? Because I'm thinking, like you know, you watch someone like a Courtney Dowalter, where you you watch these YouTube highlights, where it just seems like she's one of the few people where it just never goes wrong. And I know that it does, and that's a mm-hmm. stupid oversimplification. But so many things go right. And then I think think about other sports where you get someone like MMA, you take a Conor McGregor who was like, has this four or five fight win streak that feels like it's a hundred years long, but it's really this very short window where everything goes right. And Uh it feels like they're never going to lose. And then all of a sudden it's not like that. And all of a sudden the wheels, you know, start to fall off or you start trying things that, you know, whether it's a coach gets in your head or, you know, whatever, have you guys experienced like windows of sort of, brief moments of perfection where you feel like, Oh, I think we got it. Like, I think this is it. And then, you know, then you don't, or, or is it always just like a, and not to say that you've won everything, but just it all clicks. I felt like I had a, so this weekend I DNF the, the black K hundred K and the past few races I had had before that, I felt like, you know, it's not like they would go perfectly, but Things would go in a way where, okay, I have an issue. I can troubleshoot it, figure it out, keep moving. Yeah. Um, and I wasn't able to do that over the weekend. I oddly, I started getting horrible leg cramps. Like every mm. muscle from my ribs down. Uh, mile 19, pretty early. You know, that's I hadn't. I've been doing tons of training runs. You know, most of my long runs were you know 20 to 30 miles, and so to get that at 19 on a run where I you know. I'd, run that exact same section of the course a few weeks before even yeah. faster felt fine. So you now I went through my troubleshooting steps and I, I couldn't fix it. And I was just causing huge muscle damage and decided to call it, which is not a position I thought that I would be in. I thought I had figured out a good recipe to troubleshoot those issues. Um, so I'm still trying to figure out what happened there, but yeah, I think a lot of times it, like to think about it as yeah, I, I like to find some way it's going to be my fault so that I can identify what I did to change what I did. Yeah. But that's what I'm still trying to figure out. And I have not yet for this weekend. Well, it's got to be frustrating. Yeah. And I was following several races where if I would have an issue, I could solve it. Yeah. And this didn't happen that time. So I don't know. And, yeah. it, and I mean, coming from Flagstaff down to Phoenix, you weren't, there was no, flight involved you're going to essentially the same climate in fact you get even a little bit more humidity going down to phoenix from flag you get certainly better elevation you're at you know I had everything feet. in my favor yeah yeah that's gotta that's gotta be so frustrating <laughs> like, very frustrating yeah i trained on the course and yeah so yeah we'll, we'll, we'll figure it out we'll figure what, it out we'll know, what actual item there might be yeah yeah just um, could could have been just that weekend could yeah. have been, uh, yeah. 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 So what does yeah. it mean for the two? I told you before, like my my favorite 
running experience ever has been pacing at Leadville. Um, and I, I didn't even run any of it. I walked, uh, with the guy that I was pacing. He just had horrible foot issues going on. So we mm -hmm. walked for, I think it was 15 miles from like 10 PM till, I don't know, it was like three o'clock in the morning. And it was, mm -hmm. it should have been horrible, but it was just freaking magical. It was like the greatest experience ever. So for you two, the, the interesting part of that night was this guy was a total stranger. We had met through a friend. Mm -hmm. He was looking for a pacer. So on one hand, it was good because I felt like I could say anything to him and it didn't matter. Like he was never going to see me again. Yeah. But on the other side, I had no idea how to motivate this guy. So it was kind of <laughs> like, you know, I'd, I'd be real nice. And then I, you know, like I'd sort of, and at one point I ran into his dad and his brother and I'm like, Hey, you know, what should I be doing? And they are like, shit, you know, good luck. <laughs> so <laughs> it's interesting that you guys love doing this, you know, supporting each other, pacing each other, you know, whatever, um, crewing each other. It's got to be more positive than negative or you wouldn't keep doing it. But I'd love to hear, hear each of your perspectives on crewing for the other. Mm -hmm. I think, you know, there's definitely different context for each race or objective that we're doing that, yeah. like, we've had, you know, there's times where I absolutely want Cordis pacing me. I absolutely want him crewing me. And then there's been times where I've thought, actually, no, like, I need to kind of um, I need to be so focused on this mm. that, that, that I'm drawn to like the excitement of seeing you at the finish more than I am like along the way or oh, else I will momentarily let go of, of what I'm trying to hold during the race. Yeah. And we're back. <laughs> and we're back. Sorry about that. Technology. No, it's all right. It was just getting good there too. Um, Okay, yeah, we cut out right, Cordis, as you were starting to answer uh, that yes. question of crewing. So it's very easy when you're with your spouse or family, someone who uh, sort of let your guard down and, and just sort of, you know, give in to whatever whatever issues are happening. And so, for instance, if, if I'm in some long race or adventure and I see Abby, if I quit right there, I'm not worried about if Abby's going to continue loving me. Like she's going to continue <laughs> to love me. It's not a big deal. But uh, there's other individuals where, and I know this isn't true too, but if I see my coach, like the relationship I have with my coach, obviously primarily what we talk about is running and how I'm running and how yeah. I feel. And so it feels like with that relationship dynamic, it's more effective. And so Sometimes in these scenarios, we find it easier to use coaches to go to crew us. And we obviously want to be there for one another, but we also then uh, we recognize that sometimes seeing somebody you love can be a little bit too much of a crutch yeah. for the situation that you're in. So, so sometimes the carrot works and sometimes the stick works. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I think what it is, is you want a carrot out there, not a cookie, right? It's just a little <laughs> too sweet. Oh, I think he just called you sweet. <laughs> I mean, even like, um, you know, I, I think of uh, like when I went for JMT Unsupported in 2020, I I definitely found myself like trying to like send, I was kind of like abusing the privilege of the, uh, the, the inner shocker of kind of like, how are you doing? Like, yeah. and, and <laughs> how was kind of day to day? And it's because it's like your brain's coming up with all these ways to get you to 
pull off and stop and comfort. So it's like, okay, I'll sit on a rock for a minute and send a message through this to Cordis. And maybe that will give me this relief from pain that I'm undergoing. And I think, I think you kind of politely said something kind of of like, don't message me to, to, until tomorrow or like keep your keep your head on the trail kind of thing yeah. and you were exactly right because yeah. I think just what I was seeking by doing that was just like a momentary momentary way out so um yeah. is that yeah. cons- in set, is that considered supported in in uh, FKT land like if you um, were to reach out to somebody else like that I know the rules not are to my, I've never heard of um like devices being support um I think it's, yeah, because I think most commonly people are bringing, you know, like an inReach or something like that with messaging and live tracking and things like that with them um, as a way of kind of like having an emergency device with you or like, in that case, like it's just so remote. I'm often just checking in to say like, hey, I'm stopping to sleep. If you see my tracker stop moving, I'm not dead. I'm taking (laughs) a 90 minute dirt nap. So Um, yeah, yeah. you can make the case for it. You would definitely, at the end of the day, yeah. it's also unpoliceable without giving everybody your logins and your phone. So sure. probably not even worth that. Yeah. Yeah. That whole FKT Private. world is so fascinating to me. I love the, just the kind of the honor system. I've, I've had, had, uh, Ashley, uh, Winchester and Jason Hardrath both yeah. individually. Oh, awesome. And then I'm actually, they're going to come on in a week or so, uh, and as another okay. couple. So yeah, it's kind of a oh, Valentine's yeah. theme here. Love it. Indeed. Again, I'm just, I'm always fascinated just by that dynamic because I don't know, like with my wife, I can handle way more pain than she's comfortable seeing me handle. And so I don't think that she'd be good in that type of a, she's great for cheering me on in a race, like a normal race. But like, if I were to go do something where I was really struggling to finish, I don't know that she, I don't, I don't know. I think I'd be more worried about how she was perceiving me than, than how I was actually doing. When, uh, her, the first time she did Leadville, I remember, I think it was Twin Lakes inbound, so I don't know, mile 60 or so. Uh, she was having a hard time and her dad went up to her and said, Oh, sweetie, you don't have to do this if you don't want it. And we're like, don't say that. <laughs> like pulling him away. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't think you have ever told me. I, you've never like observed me in a scenario where you're like, you should ease up. No, you yeah. are always like, like, no, I don't know. You'll pull yourself out. Yeah, I think that's what it is. Yeah. 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 And that's my attitude of anything is always just like, yeah, whatever. I mean, just, you know, do it. And I, I've, you know, I've certainly quit on runs before, so it's sure. not like I think that anybody can do whatever, but it's just, I can, I think I have kind of that mo- coach's mindset there where, I I have been so far pretty good at judging when the other person is truly done versus just needs that kind of extra, you know, kick in the ass to say like, quit yeah. crying. I lost a yeah. wrestling match when I was in high school where I quit. I, I physically quit and it was mostly exhaustion. And the worst part, the worst, it was worse than losing. It was worse than everything is that my coach didn't say a freaking word to me. He just walked away. And he didn't talk to me for a couple of days. He wasn't mad. He, he, he wasn't glaring at me or whatever. It, but I felt like such a loser because he just would not engage me. And, and like, you know, and I think he knew, like he knew that there was nothing he could say that was going to make me feel worse than quitting mm-hmm. other than just to not say anything. And so it's, yeah. it's stung even deeper. Yeah. He's, he, oh, he was, he was an amazing coach, amazing coach. Um, 
So, uh, so we've established that, uh, you guys both, uh, love each other very much. You both love each other, uh, <laughs> love, love kind of experiencing these things together. Um, like what's the, this is going to sound odd, but like, what's the, what's the end game here in this, in this kind of like running career? One of the cool things with it is, especially nowadays with things like Instagram and other ways to, um, provide value to a sponsor, for instance. So let's, I'd love to talk about what Adidas has meant to you guys and how that interaction works for other athletes looking to get sponsored or wondering what's this whole professional running life all about. But, um, like, how does, you know, like, what's the end game for you? Is it to win every race? Is it to just provide value for sponsors? Is it to be doing this as long as you can while you're doing other things? Like, how do you see your careers shaping up for the next, let's say, five years? Or 10 or 20? Yeah. Interesting question. I think, so I think there's a two angles to look at it, which you touched on. I think personally, at the root, the foundation of all of it is just that we love it. Yeah. And that's what fuels it consistently. And I think when we look at other things, those are those are ways that it that that foundational love is enhanced and shared. So I think for me, if if I if I lost my leg, I would figure out how to bike or something. You know, it's gonna be along those same those same lines where it's about just being out there for me. Yeah. And you know, any sort of endurance, whatchamacallit, I think at the end of the day, will will satisfy that, that passion virus. Yeah. I think like a, like a great way of testing where the rubber meets the road too, is like, even if we were not performing as well, would we continue going? And yeah. the answer is yes for both of us. Like yeah. it's not, it's not purely about winning for us because that's like, not at all how we yeah. came into the sport, you know, yeah. like, you bring up Leadville. It's like I run Leadville twice and been up against the cutoffs both times. One very time, very against cutoffs. One mm-hmm. like a little further out from the cutoffs. But it's like I think we both experienced like top to front, front of the pack to back of the pack. Mm-hmm. This sport is hard at every level, yeah. and that is is really engaging to us. So I can definitely see us continuing to be people that pers- that keep running ultras long after we have like peaked athletically so to speak yeah. um i think once we're once we're no once we don't want to think we're fast we'll probably get into is more overnight stuff yeah just because it's fun and other and yeah yeah it's, it's the same sort of thing but it's a little more relaxed i guess yeah well, again, you guys have such a good rapport together and everything. And, you know, like your Instagram accounts and stuff are, you know, super engaging. And it's a, a nice thing with this sport is that you don't have to win necessarily to provide. I mean, obviously it helps, but you can still provide a ton of value to sponsors and, you know, yep. help other people and, you know, build community around your efforts um, in ways that are, you know, meaningful and frankly can, you know, generate revenue, whether it's passive or, you know, like your main source of income kind of thing. So um, how did you guys get hooked up with Adidas? How does that relationship work? I'm always fascinated by, um, you know, just how, again, like what is an Adidas looking for in you guys? What do you bring to the table? What do they bring in, in, in return to, to your table? Yeah. So um, we both started um, 
working with Adidas in 2018. Okay. And, um, I think for both of us, like that first year, um, it was about kind of really building a relationship with our teammates, with the team manager and, you know, like really testing for a long-term fit. It wasn't just like, Hey, here's a contract. Like it yeah. was like, I think, and I think a lot of people have arrived at the, the Adidas Terex team that way, where it really is more about this long-term relationship investment in individual people's journeys not like and what it, they'll bring to the group yeah and what and what yeah exactly there's like a really unique kind of chemistry to the group and that has all been um picked with a lot of intention behind it it's not simply picking like the top runners of each mm. category that you know the, like yeah. they can get to sign it's like it's been about a lot more than that and um I think that makes the the blend of us all, um, I don't know, feel invested in as people more than as result producers. Yeah. And there's not this looming fear that if you turn in a bad result, you're off the team. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that that makes us all feel very free to be ourselves, to approach the sport how we want to, and to really just play the long game. Yeah. And so I think it it, it yields like better, you know, better us about grammar in the process. Yeah. And so did you guys reach out to a bunch of like, how did you, were you already wearing Adidas shoes for instance? So, yeah, no, we were both, um, we both previously been Solomon ambassadors yeah. and then, okay. um, and then like, yeah, I reached out. Not like a more local program. Yeah. yeah. And I, I reached out to, um, to our team manager, like at the start of that year, really saying, you know, Kind of like I'm looking to kind of root down here. I'm I want to keep at this for a while. I want to have a long journey with the sport, and I'm looking for someone who's kind of like willing to make a bet on me and invest in me, and I'll invest in return. Yeah. And um, and that's how the relationship started. Um, and then you know I was able to introduce Cordis too, and and now it's something that we're both able to do together, which is something that. We are really grateful for every day. That is awesome. <laughs> it's not lost on us how cool it is that we get to do this together and yeah. travel and race together. We're really grateful. So what is, what is the team dynamic? Are there a lot of um, other Adidas athletes, for instance, in Flagstaff, or is it do you guys just kind of come together around races? So in Flagstaff, there's another athlete, uh, Stephen Kirsch, who's really the main reason we moved here. We knew we wanted to go to Arizona, <laughs> but we had we had thought about phoenix sedona honestly flag wasn't really on the table for us mm. for a while we wanted to get somewhere sunnier now that flag doesn't have sun but it does have snow and so then steven was like i think you guys should be in flagstaff and he was very much right and so even though we had only spent four to six hours here total before moving here decided we're gonna make a change it's wow. a cool somewhere place now. it's a, it's a very cool place so we love it here uh, but otherwise, you know, teammates are, we've got, um, like another eight of us here in the U S I okay. think seven of us, eight of us. Ish. Um, and, um, we are all mainly, um, scattered around in the West, the West yeah, um, all of us. but then we are part of, you know, this international team of us, which I think is maybe like 30, 35, yeah. something like that. I and ballpark at 35. Ranging okay. from, you know, um, Asia to all over Europe to you know primarily Europe though yeah primarily South Europe Africa. and then a couple uh, yeah. of other athletes in yeah Japan China South yeah. Africa 
Russia. Russia. You know? South America. Yeah. So there's a, a, a diverse group of us yeah. that have been coming together for, you know, training camps and races since kind of the team was started just so really right around when we joined was kind of yeah. the first big like team camp where we all came together. Yeah. That's awesome. um, and so, you know, the, the, the calendar is kind of different for each of us, depending on what kind of distances we're targeting. But, you know, I would say most of our races we are at, we're meeting up with we're trying to just a few other teammates there. And, and that's been a really special mm-hmm. thing. It definitely makes, uh, makes it more meaningful to go be able to toe the line with some teammates and, have that support out there, the familiar yeah. faces along the way, the matching jackets. <laughs> <laughs> do you guys, do you guys share a lot of like, uh, you know, post-race, pre-race reports, things like that with one another? Are you guys, do you guys communicate? Yeah, I think a lot of it really is more like in-person hangout more than anything. Yeah. And so we'll usually do a, a training camp together in the spring and the fall as a team, whether that be uh, like we just did a North America one. So just the American athletes, uh, and then in the fall after UTMB, there's a Adidas event that out in Austria called the Infinite Trail that we build a training camp around as well. Uh, but a lot of it ends up as time spent together. Uh, you know, part of us moving to Flagstaff too is that now we feel like we've got this place where we can now host teammates here and there as they uh, prepare for different events or or whatnot. So uh, that that's been pretty fun too. But I think more than just sharing rage reports i think it's more about sharing meals together and mm. hanging out and being yeah. goofy together and, <laughs> or yeah. like you know like leading up to like utmb is a real kind of pinnacle for all of us as a team and yeah. um and we've got like housing out there available to us like all summer to all be like grouped up with our teammates and it's just like it's just, it's just so bits. special just like you know cooking meals together at night, catching runs together. And I mean, yeah, it's just like, it's realistically, it's just the the people that we're, we're spending the most time with kind of in the calendar year. And so it builds really, you know, real relationships in the same way that it would at like, you know, college dorms or summer camp. It really feels like hanging out in the dorm. Yeah. It sounds like summer camp when you're a kid. Exactly. (laughs) That is super cool. Um, so UTMB, you guys ran, you guys each ran it, right? You did not support one another. Correct. Okay. Yeah. Cordis did TDS and I did CCC. And then our previous UTMB in 2019, Cordis ran UTMB and I did CCC again that year. So. Okay. So yeah, what? this past year we did not for each other. Okay. Um, I wanted to, I wanted to ask a little bit, I, I hate bringing this subject up, but it's, it's like, I, I, I know a lot of people have struggled with it, but just from, from COVID perspective, especially as yep. sponsored athletes and, you know, this is like all of a sudden, you know, me coming from athletes, we certainly saw our world turned upside down livelihood, you know, yeah. much like everybody, but like literally our, our industry overnight sort of disappeared. What was mm-hmm. that like for you guys? One, just not being able to race. Obviously you could train your, your brains out, yeah. but, um, not being able to race. And then, um, I guess if it's a good story, maybe how Adidas was able to sort of help you, you know, in, in ways yeah. around that. So in 2020 in particular, I mean, that was the year of the FKT pretty clearly. And so we were both able to pursue goals like that yeah. that year. And so, you know, without air travel and we were kind of 
just camping or we would get a hotel here or there. So, you know, the, the, the financial support was significantly less than, for instance, a, a flight to Europe for on UTMB. Yeah. Uh, so from that regard, I think the, the support probably for the brand was um, hopefully comparable to, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it yes. was, hopefully it was comparable to the revenue that they were seeing from decreased yeah. sales as well. So that, you know, they weren't hurting from having to fly us to Europe, Yeah, but they weren't getting the money. Um, after that, then uh, the the ongoing pandemic here. I guess my next race. I just went to Mississippi for a race. We okay. drove out there, and, and I knew start twenty twenty one. Yeah, the start twenty twenty one. I knew you know Mississippi has easier uh, restrictions on masks and gatherings and so forth. So I knew I'd be able to get in a race out there. Yeah. And so I committed to run, run a race in Mississippi, and then. Uh, I guess after that, like you raced in California, that was our first flight, um, but that was, that was, uh, we both got vaccinated then before that. So then it felt fine and all, but I don't know, it's just always, you just, it's so localized what the uh, restrictions are, whatever mandates might be. Yeah. And so you kind of just got to be circumstantial with, with each one of these events and yeah, and it, you plan on it changing three or four times before it happens. Yeah. It's got to be pretty adaptable. Then once we were like in Chamonix for like a lot of the summer, we were um, like, you know, we'd all like get tested once a week over there because yeah. you can't um, go into, you couldn't go into any of like groceries France without like a sanitary pass, they called it. So yeah. you had to be knowing either your, your proof of vaccination or uh, it was like a test result within 24 yeah. hours. Okay. So it could be almost impossible to go anywhere without that and there was even like um mass mandates for like being outside there yeah. like in public squares and things like that where you couldn't keep six feet apart <clears throat> so like yeah. in a lot of ways once we got over there it felt like even uh safer just the way it was being managed That's so yeah. yeah just that being adaptable i think you're right cordis it's yeah. like we were just kind of being opportunistic as we could yeah opportunistic adaptable taking it kind of one month at a time yeah. how do you leave chamonix like, is there just like, <laughs> you how get do you really tired? You get so tired <laughs> that the side of mountains is sickening. <laughs> okay. That's fair. That's very fair. It, it, it just looks, I mean, anytime I've never been there, uh, I've been different parts of the, you know, European Alps and things. And it's just okay. like, God dang. I mean, like yeah. I, I went to Austria right after I moved to Colorado and we had been to Vail and some other places and you go to Vail and you're like, holy smokes. And then you go place in Austria and you're just like, Oh my God, this is like a whole different scale and everything. Yeah. So Chamonix. I think a lot of it is that it's the cycles of the sport, which is cool with trail training. Usually by the end of the summer, we'll be so tired of long hiking sort of goals. Yeah. You know, for like a UTMB, TDSCC, you end up hiking a lot. Yeah. Not as much as CCC. TDS, you lost a lot. But, just like the big mountain, but it's but it's slower strides, you know. Yeah. It's it's beautiful and so forth. But a lot of times, after so much training, like the race, a lot of times I feel like I get to the end of August or September, and I just want to run on a creek path and just run. Yeah, sleep in your own bed. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sleep in my own bed, have an American style coffee, <laughs> thirty five ounces of black water. <laughs> That's what I want. <laughs> I hear you. Yeah, I hear you. Well, cool. Um, so we normally do this uh, 10 question dash. You guys want to answer some questions, get a little personal here for a minute? Yeah, I'll do it. All right. 
I think my theme music is still set up. Let me make sure that it is. Oh, there's theme music. Oh, it is. All right. It still works. It's been months since I did my last show here. So I just got new music, do everything, but the 10 question dash music is still the same. So, um, all right. So, uh, we've already talked about Adidas, but what's the rest of your gear looking like? Like what brands do you guys like to, um, to rep and all that kind of stuff? What are your favorites? We both use Lucky Poles, love their stuff, um, and we both work with them. Um, yeah. We're both athletes for Arch CTS, Max, yeah. for coaching. Archmax does the packs with the Adidas. They do a collaboration, so we got some branded packs that I really like their packs. Okay. Um, we also both use uh, Polante packs for our, when we want some big lightweight storage. You know, they make really ultra lightweight, oh. I think it's 35 liters. Okay. Yep. So that's our go-to for that. I work with um, a company called Beam for like CBD stuff. I really like their products a lot. There's some nice stuff that we use to kind of, yeah, help keep us healthy. Cool. <laughs> Courses employers. Yeah, Courses employers want to go by support the Alaska work in sales, so. <laughs> very nice, all right, very good. Uh, what's your next race on the calendars? I am running Transgan Canaria in a little over two weeks. Good luck. Thank you. Uh, I guess for me, having just come out of one, um, I'm thinking I'm not, it's not on the calendar yet, so I guess it's a half answer, but the Amasa trail race in Moab would be okay. pretty cool. Just yeah. a sort of a little fun stop over. It's the route that I love doing in Moab if I go there the most anyway. So is, is that, that a Mad Moose? Other, what's that? Is that a Mad Moose race? Yes, it is. So that's Very another. Nice. Well, we love there. them. We love the Rixes. Uh, you guys have a favorite like sports book or movie? you guys go to you already mentioned born to run so you can't re-mention it sorry it's off the table um i read um alexi papacy's book brady last year i really like that one a lot hmm. i've not heard of that it's great she's a um uh, olympic marathoner and creative really creative person and okay. um yeah it's a beautiful book very good i hope i have a sports one Gosh, I feel like we're going to think of so many of them when we hang I'm out I'm sure here. you will. Probably. Is there another we inspirational one? We just watched another one? great movie called The River Runner on Netflix. That was a really good one. We recently okay. watched um, about a whitewater kayaker who's oh, returned nice. to sport after a uh, long period of health issues. And that was just an inspiring story we watched recently. Yeah. But we'll give you that one then. Uh, what is your favorite race so far? Ooh, I'm all in on the whole UTMB series. I, I love it so much. And when I say that, I mean, like, I, now that that's expanded to, like, a World Series, yeah. I mean, like, all things uh, in Germany. Um, yeah. So for me, that's in CCC both okay. times I've ran it. It's just the coolest. I'm actually surprised to see that because mine was Trans-Grand Canaria. Even though I don't, the first time we went out there, I don't think either of us had incredible performances, but, man, that's a course. Yeah. And where is that again? Uh, is that in the Canary Islands? Yeah. yeah. So okay. it's a little island grouping off of the coast, the west coast of Africa. Okay. Owned by Spain. Wow. Well, you guys have me way beat. Those are way cooler races than I've ever done. Um, <laughs> Wait, what's your favorite? I, Leadville. The, I, I love yeah. the Leadville heavy half. It's like a perfect oh. kind of three hour, just kill yourself, tear yourself, you know, to the top of Mosquito and bomb down. It's just such a, uh, for me, so it's just like a perfect race. Leadville's, Leadville's the best. Yeah, I give love that one. What's that? Okay, I'll give myself a point. point for that one. <laughs> <Very good. laughs> um, what's your bucket list? What's the what's all, what what have you not done that you would love to do? 
I think we both circle around um, the races at Grand Raid down in um, Reunion. Um, I think for me, like actually securing the FKT on JMT is one that like um, yeah. might take me another decade, but I'm gonna keep chipping away at it, cool. and I feel motivated by it. Yeah, uh, don't talk Courtney. Uh, <laughs> she would go crazy. I would just throw it up. So I would. Uh, for me, I, would, uh, I, I I'd like to at least finish Nolan's. Obviously, I'd want to perform really well, but I'd really like to finish that. As for a race, I don't know if there's a particular race in the world that I'm incredibly passionate that I have to do before I die. Mm -hmm. Things speak to me on a smaller time scale, but I'll say, oh, this year, this one's the coolest. Yeah. No, I yeah. like that. That's good too. Yeah. Weirdly superior hundred seems really cool. Not weirdly. That Not weirdly. Really cool. It's just a cool race. I wish there was some of these insane hundred courses. I wish were more competitive. Because I want to run a competitive race, but some of them are just so scenic. Yeah. Yeah. Air Viper puts on such great races down there. Every they somehow make look, I grew up in Arizona, but somehow uh Jamil and those guys make it look way better than it actually looks. <laughs> so, <laughs> they they pick good courses down there. What's um you have a, a home stretch song or a band on your playlist, like one that just gets you across that finish line? Oh I like this guy called Jackie Platinum. Never heard Cordis, of it. Like, although like Gen Z music. Okay. Somehow I really like this <laughs> Um for me it's probably like it's probably some blend of ABBA and like different like 70s dance mm. music or like I'll get like like 70s like love ballads stuff in my head. She's the Euro pop. She's yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> she feels like Europe. Exactly. <laughs> okay, very good. Uh, what, well, and this is, this might answer the next question, which is what's the most embarrassing song on your playlist or artist? Mm, same as the last question, honestly. Yeah. What was it? Jimmy Platinum? Is that what you said? Jackie Platinum. <laughs> Jackie Platinum. Okay. Jackie Platinum. <laughs> I'll have to check him out. I don't know. I feel like Abby listens to traditionally classic music, like what would be regarded as objectively good music. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and so I don't know if she has something embarrassing. No. Yeah. I don't know. I don't even think this is embarrassing. We recently discovered we're big fans of Ariana Grande. Yeah. Surprising ourselves with that one. She's pretty good. She's yeah. really good. The older yeah. I get, <laughs> the older I get, the less um, dogmatic I am about music, especially. I grew up as a musician, so there were certain bands where you just like, you know, screw Bon Jovi, like they suck. And now I hear a Bon Jovi song and I'm like, God, that was a good song, wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> you know? So you start to admit to yourself, like, all right, Miley Cyrus has a couple of good, good songs, you know? Whatever. Exactly. I was just going to say, like, they're popular like, for a reason. Yeah. yeah. Like, if, if I give me some Lady Gaga, some Miley Cyrus, like, I won't hate it. Yeah. It's funny. All right. <laughs> uh, Pre race ritual or superstition? Hmm. I feel like I've tried to eradicate most of those mm -hmm. for myself. I think as long as I have coffee and can go to the bathroom properly, we're good to go. Yeah. Um, lubricate everything. <laughs> <laughs> now we're getting down to the good stuff. <clears throat> yeah, I hear you. What's uh, living or dead? Who would you most like to share a long run with? Oh, that's tough. Can it be something other than a run? Because I also yeah. like playing along. Yeah. It's just a conversation. 
Oh my gosh. I'm gonna say, like, for me, Paul McCartney, probably. Yeah. I'm like a huge, like, I grew up in the Beatles and, um, like, you've always really loved all things Paul. And so I think that would be, like, my bucket list person to, like, meet and get to, like, ask all my nerdy questions to. Yeah, I bet you're faster than me. <laughs> I think so. <laughs> for me, this is gonna be weird because I'm actually friends with him, which I think is really cool. But I mean, Anton Kapishko was a huge role model for me in Boulder. And I felt really lucky that like I got to meet him and be friends with him. I still that's have awesome. friends with him, which is great. What a nice thing to say about your friend. Well, that is cool. good. Wow, that's yeah. I'm wearing Anton uh, socks right now from Stance. So uh, it's, uh, it's a, a friend and a fan now. It's cool. Oh, very good. <laughs> It'll never stop being a fan. <laughs> All right, this you guys, one of you gets to cheat because one of you has to answer this one first. But final question is, what is the secret? It could be to running, it could be to marriage, it could be to anything. Don't fear failure. No? Good. Listen. No. Listen. Listen is definitely a good part of the uh, how to have a successful marriage. That's I think it's alternating too. Just listen. Yeah. It, it might not be words, but there's a lot being said to you. And I think that my don't fear failure thing comes a lot from what you alluded to earlier with me being a perfectionist. So as a perfectionist, not fearing failure has been like a big thing to work through. I bet. Yeah. Yeah. That that has to be something that like they're um, almost like when there's you know like something is lopsided or asymmetrical or whatever where you you it's you're not going to freak out but there's something wrong you know yeah like being that perfectionist like going oh i missed that you know like my goo i took my goo five minutes later you know and that's just going to gnaw on you in the back of the head yes It will if you let it. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, it's a fun thing. I mean, I love it. I wish I could do it at the level that, you know, you guys can or others can. But, you know, any any good 15-mile run is a, is a good day for me. So um, I love it. It's yeah. so fun. Well, it's been awesome talking to you guys about your marriage, your relationship, and your running and, and everything else. I feel like we could have talked for another hour and a half here easily and barely scratched the surface. So. Uh, it's been wonderful. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks so much. Yeah. Thank you guys for coming on and, um, we will, uh, be sure to, I, I got grabbed your Instagram handles if that's okay, if I throw those yeah. out. So, um, if you're li- listening to this and you're digging it, um, uh, be sure to follow, um, Abby at Abby K Abby dot K dot hall. Um, and, uh, Cordis has a cool one. He's at Cordissimo. It's a very good, very good Instagram handle. Well done there. Um, and, uh, yeah, so, uh, it's been fantastic. I really appreciate you guys coming on. Thanks for having us. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. It was fun. That is the show, everybody. I really hope you enjoyed it. Before I thank our guests, I'm going to ask you to complete three very simple tasks to help support the show. First, give us a quick five-star rating on Apple or Spotify, wherever you listen. It really does help with booking guests and and other things and growing the show. Number two, follow us on Instagram at Faster Forward Show. And number three, share the link or tell your friends about the episode if you think they would enjoy it. So thank you so much for listening and thank you to Abby and Cordis for sitting down and sharing an hour with us. We will have a special post for episode 50 on Instagram and Facebook if you have any comments. 
Otherwise, let us know in the comments what you thought, or if you have a guest that you'd like to hear us on the show, uh, just drop us a note there or email me at Troy at Busso, and that's B-U-S-O-T dot com. And as always, until next time, keep it moving faster forward, everybody. Mm-hmm.